Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Ride or Dynasty podcast. I'm your host, Don Detweiler, and I'll tell you what, after uh, a week hiatus, we come back and it's like, does anybody even want to play football anymore? Because there's so many guys either just coming in and out. The injury bug has definitely just gone all over the place, and the life bug has struck so many other players. But tell us all about it. Rob, how you doing, man? Oh man, I um I'm still committed to football. Some of my fantasy teams are not. They um they feel like they've gone the way of Calvin Ridley, and that's a shame because um I don't get paid when my teams stink in fantasy, and um I'm in it to win it. And also with us is Kit. Kit, how you doing today? Doing all right. I got new glasses. I've heard feedback that they look like serial killer glasses. So uh you know uh, we'll we'll see what the listeners think. Um. But yeah, actually, after saying that, I looked up Michael Douglas and falling down, and they are an exact match. So uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it is what it is, but excited to, uh, to be hanging out with you guys tonight and uh, figuring shit, all the crazy shit out. I, I tell you what, that's about what we're left with. There's so much just shenanigans right now. Narratives that we thought were going to play out have played out in complete opposite different directions. We expected guys to come back. They probably aren't. We expected guys would be fine in their places. They aren't. So all kinds of things are interesting. And I guess we should probably just dive in. And I think a good place to start with that is the Green Bay Packers. Because they go into last week with literally no wide receivers, except Randall Cobb and some dudes they found on the street. Then Tanyan goes out and somehow they win. Now this week, Rodgers is in the COVID protocol and unlikely to play. And Tanyan has the torn ACL. So he's done. So... Robbie, what does Green Bay have even left? It's rough. It's rough. Um, you know, at least at some point we'll get the immunized body of Aaron Rodgers back. Immunized, not vaccinated. Uh, <laughs> would have been nice if he was vaccinated. A terrible but, distinction, uh, yes. Um, yes, big distinction, which um, I'm sure I find from the NFL's coming. He was talking to reporters without mask on, breaching all sorts of NFL rules for um, non-vaccinated players. But what what's left is um, hopefully getting some some wide receivers back off of the COVID list um, because I'm not excited outside of that. Uh, Mercedes Lewis is um, a warm body. The um, third round draft pick from a few years ago, um, Josiah to, to whatever I can't even say his name. He's so not fantasy relevant. He's virtually a fullback. He's a six foot two blocking tight end. Yeah. And um, I saw him go for quite a bit of fab today, and and um, yeah, you guys are suckers. Pretty much. I mean, kid, is this like the return to the old days where it's student body left, student body right, rinse, repeat? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm actually uh, – I like that this situation occurred, which, you know, sounds weird. I, I like to watch Aaron Rodgers play. I don't mean like I, I'm glad he got COVID. Uh, but, like, I think we were never going to have an opportunity to see Jordan Love – and so his uh, sort of value or people's understanding of what he does, it would be, you know, all over the map. It'd be nice to see maybe two straight games of Jordan Love. Like, I feel like that will give us something to evaluate. Uh, that's a callous thing to say to some extent, right? But uh, from, from from a dynasty perspective, I'm just curious. I mean, if he if he and Adams, you know, if, if he's able to pepper Adams and turn that into a decent game, uh that's a big piece of information we didn't have two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, you're definitely right turning now, lemons Cops into lemonade is, here. 
Cobb's just wide receiver one right now, and um, I don't think you can evaluate Jordan Love on that. Poor guy. I'll be sending well, Don a fourth-round draft pick oh, next week uh, for him if that's the case. <laughs> this is probably terrible uh, podcast content, but is Adams definitely out this week? I it is he was... most likely there has been an official word, but it okay, seems okay. rather rather like it's going to happen. I had been working on the assumption he was back, but that makes sense. Okay, I hadn't seen any positive news as of yet. Yeah, I didn't. Honestly, I didn't hear a whole lot as to his situation, whether he was symptomatic or asymptomatic, or how it all was playing out. So it all depends on how everything works out, then the protocol and the duration of time between his if he has a negative test and the second. So we'll see what all comes down with that. But Green Day, Green Day, yeah, <laughs> it could be Green Day, but Green Bay is in a world of trouble here. At least the running backs have stayed far enough away from the wide receivers to uh, not get themselves in significant trouble. But really, it's going to be a whole lot of student body left, student body right, and we better hope that the offensive coaches are as creative as everyone seems to think they are because they're going to have to do a whole lot of work. And speaking of a whole lot of work, Philadelphia did a whole lot of work on Detroit this past week, hanging 44 on the moribund Lions. And what we saw was two significant things. One, their running backs without Jamal Williams, they can't run the ball. All they can do is pass, and that's it because the running game itself was a complete quagmire and it's not that philly was doing anything special because philly doesn't do anything special on defense literally ever they don't blitz they line up like vanilla bean is entirely too much flavor for that coaching staff it's straight vanilla soft serve all the time always but with mike with miles sanders out we kind of expected the big game from gainwell but it never came so kit what what happened there uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I've always been more of a Gainwell guy than NFL teams who know what they're doing <laughs> seem to be. Uh, right, like I, I liked him a lot better than a fifth round pick coming into the draft last year. Uh, and I liked him to handle 12 touches and all the targets this week and 12 rushes and all the targets this week. And that's not the way the Eagles team saw it, and it worked for the Eagles team. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I continue to be like somebody who's buying at the margins, but uh, obviously there's things I don't understand that he doesn't do uh, that makes, you know, NFL coaches disagree with. So Robbie, does this lead us to a resurgence for Boston Scott again and Jordan Howard redux, or is it just that Gainwell fumbled the week before and was being punished? I think Gainwell bounced back. It was a pretty even timeshare between him and Sanders before, um, my gut feeling is they like Kenneth Gainwell, but they don't want to put too much on the rookie's plate initially. So they've sprinkled in more Boston Scott and Jordan Howard than anyone would like to see. And, um, <laughs> you know, why not keep them fresh when you're blowing out the Lions? Um, not not a whole lot of offensive firepower was needed to get by him. Jalen Hurts barely did anything. Um, Gainwell barely did anything. You weren't happy with the single skill position player that you you had from Philadelphia last week, yet they hung up over 40 points on Detroit. Yeah, the funny thing in the whole deal is the Philly faithful and everybody league-wide came into this, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, and Hurts threw the ball a total of 12 times. It really was a non-entity in the game because all they did was finally run the ball. 
I think Detroit was either taught, caught completely off guard or just rubbers finally hit the road and all that hanging tough has just gotten them beat up and done. The Saints have decided to try and take what was old and make it new again by going out and getting themselves Ingram back. This reestablishes the Thunder and Lightning running back duo that they had so effective there for a while with Kamara and Ingram. Uh, does this mean that, first of all, Ingram again becomes fantasy relevant because he's going to step back into that old role that he had? Or is that now the Tyson Hill role? And there's really just a depth position for Ingram. Robbie, what do you think? I'm not looking for for Ingram to be fantasy relevant anywhere. Um, he's purely a handcuff. I think he, you know, he was amazing in the Saints offense a few years ago, but that was a few years ago, and he's been on a steep decline since then. Um, he was functional in, in Baltimore. Well, more than functional his first year in Baltimore. Slowly got phased out, and... I don't think it's a lightning and thunder situation. I think it's a, a lightning and like a golf clap situation. Um, he'll be used sparingly. He'll be used around the goal line, but Taysom Hill is going to call his own number around the goal line. I would certainly expect so. Kit, what's your, what's your feeling of the backfield there, especially now with Jameis out for the year with his ACL situation? Yeah, I was going to say that. I think that's the more operative thing than – Mark Ingram happening happening to be the backup instead of Tony Jones or whoever else was there before. Um, yeah, Hill uh, did not target Kamara frequently. Um, I still think the death knell of Kamara as an RB one is a little overblown. Like I, I talked to a couple friends of mine who today who were like, "Nope, don't want him." Like, don't want to like be. Like, we were tr- we were, had a team together and we were talking about trying to upgrade a running back, and they were like, "No." No, I'm out on Kamara, and, and, and I'm not there. I, I still expect him to get 15 carries and whatever targets Taysom, Taysom Hill is willing to give him. Uh, so I don't know. I, I assume he'll limp into mid to low RB1 territory for the year. I think the most surprising thing was the uh, triumphant return of one Trevor Simeon rolling in and then putting up some adequate numbers on spot duty here with Hill still in the concussion protocol. Yeah, I guess I made the assumption that it's going to be Hill, which I still do, but any chance in your guys' mind that it's not Hill and, and <laughs> Simeon gives him a run? As far as I'm concerned, the second that Hill is clear and ready to go in, yeah, I mean, that is Sean Payton's boy. He's right there. Robbie, what do you think? It's a, yeah, it's Taysom's job to lose, and when he's ready, he will be in there. Let's throw a little bit more Saints on the pile here. Considering all the turmoil they had, they still are able to knock down the box and do the improbable, which is make Tom Brady have a rather human-esque day, mainly by hitting him, which is the thing he hates the most in the world, and forcing him to move off his spot with a pretty aggressive pass rush. Now we have a ready-made defense, but all the this hope, is coming to a grind because we expected Michael Thomas to be back and that is not happening. It seems like he's been shut down for the year. Kit, what do you know? Uh, Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I think he's a dynasty asset who's completely sunk. I don't think I'd give up much for him. Uh, I think the saints are probably, you know, they're going to say the right things and pretend to, you know, it's just another mistake, whatever, you know, like it, it'll, it's, you know, not his fault and we love him. 
but I think the Saints are probably done with him. So I, I can see him being a free agent this year. Um, I could also see him being a buy low, I guess I would say, right? I mean, I, I think people who have him are pretty freaking frustrated. Uh, and, and, you know, if you can convince them, I mean, two seconds, I don't know. I mean, a second for sure, I'd do it. Two seconds, I don't know if I'd do it. Again, I, I think there's downside, but I wouldn't cancel out the idea that there's upside. So what exactly happened to him? I mean, we are we know it's all kinds of messed up, and I suppose we should check in with our good friends over at the Sister Pod here to get the real medical answer. So again, guys, I can't argue this and advise you strongly enough to check out the Next Man Up podcast because it's real medical professionals telling you exactly what's going on as opposed to me bungling my way through it and saying, yeah, it's bad, and he's out because it's bad. So... Robbie, do we even know for sure what's up? I've seen mixed reports. Uh, one was a re-aggravation and a setback in his ankle recovery. And and some some reports saying this is an entirely new ankle injury. Um, I think behind the scenes, Michael Thomas wanted out. And the Saints said mean things about him at the beginning of the offseason and his timeline for getting his ankle healthy. And, you know... I, I don't think he really had a whole lot of intention of playing for the Saints this year unless they were going to be a contender. And maybe maybe I'm just being pessimistic, but I, I don't even know if there's a real ankle injury here. I, I just think the organization and, and those two need to go their separate ways, and nah. it is what it is. That That's too big brain for me. I mean, they are going to be a playoff contender. They have been, right? I mean, they're in a position to make the playoffs if they're not actually in it. And – like Michael Thomas, I still assume like assumes likes playing football, you know, like, like, like I don't think he, I don't know. I, I, I get what you're saying, but I don't agree with it. <laughs> I think the most I would pay at this point is a second and a fourth or something like that, or a second and a kicker just to have him stashed in the event that he would come back. But I don't hold out a whole lot of hope. If he was on one of my rosters, I'd probably be willing to liquidate him for about the same and it's just one of those deals where it's like, man, we were so hopeful. And unless he lands in a truly fantastic spot in the offseason, he's probably radioactive for the rest of the year. It yeah. might be behoove you as a manager to hold on and just see where he lands or see what happens with the quarterback situations moving forward there. Because don't forget, this, the same situation is far from settled. So we'll see what happens. But at this point, that was opportunity lost. And I know a lot of people, even in the redraft community, got him as a stash and has just kind of been hanging on and hanging on. And unfortunately, uh, that roll of the bones did not pay off for much of anybody. Speaking of people who have been invited to go the hell away, uh, OBJ has basically been told by the Browns to, no, no, you stay over there. We're not cutting you. And you can be as butthurt as you want. We don't want you here. Kit, is that the take here? Uh, from everything I've seen, yes. I mean, I, I mean, I don't, I don't get what leverage OBJ thinks he has. You know, uh, <laughs> like he hasn't been, you know, the game-breaking exceptional thing that he was as a rookie and a couple years beyond for a long time now. Uh, or so even I, useful. Or yeah, exactly. He's he's gone fully the other way, where he's like now. 
oh, he demands targets inefficiently. Like, great. Like, but you can get his dad, then it's Baker's fault. Well, or LeBron. We, 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 we've shot on Baker enough, and I'm not saying Baker is gets the most out of OBJ, but he, he just isn't a difference maker anymore. You know, like that part, that part of his career is gone. Uh, and the fact that he is salty because he doesn't get targeted enough or whatever, like, yeah, I, I, I think it is the end. And I think he's going to have a harsh reality when he's making, you know, $2.5 million a year as the fourth wide receiver on the jets next year or something. <laughs> yeah. Robbie, that, Sorry, brings, JJ. In, that brings in all <laughs> that. <laughs> Don't bring the Jets in. Just let him be happy. They yeah, won. That's the most insulting thing you can be. For oh. Sorry. sorry. <laughs> I am a Giants fan. There's still the Jaguars. Don't forget. So, Denzel Mims would somehow still be the fourth wide receiver. <laughs> yeah, right. So, They'll refuse to trade him. Sorry. Go ahead. We've got such a football, just bastions of football acumen as LeBron James and uh, OBJ's dad coming out and basically blasting Baker and blasting the Browns. Uh, super great look in the locker room, wouldn't you guys say? It's a yeah. locker room great. answer. Realistically, folks, dude is cooked. He's looking at a one-year prove-it contract next year if he's lucky. Somebody's going to take a shot, probably somebody who was on his coaching staff with him back when he was with the Giants or something like that. He's not going to end up out of the league, but it's definitely going to be the one-year prove-it, show-me-what-you've-got. And hopefully he winds up in a decent situation, can turn it about. But I just, I'm sorry, I can't do it. And as much as we have piled on Shaken Baker and like right now, kicking the Browns is in vogue because they're on a streak and they are so beat up. But when a team that is that beat up and has that kind of lack of weapons is willing to tell what was supposed to be their number one wide receiver to, no, no, you go over there, back in your box, bye-bye. It's just a horrible look and a horrible situation. 15 million bucks to stay home. Could all be so lucky. <laughs> That's right. Man, go start playing video games. It'll be great for you. Go ahead. That is an important aspect of this. The Browns can get out of the contract at the end of the year with zero dead money. So that's a big deal for them and looks like the absolute thing that's going to happen. Almost definitely, yeah. yeah. So let's go from one horrible situation to a, an absolute tragedy all the way around. Henry Ruggs was involved in a tragic accident in which he was driving a Corvette at an estimated speed of 156 miles an hour, struck a pedestrian, which resulted in the demise of the pedestrian, and now is functionally out of football, as near as we can tell. We know that there was an impairment involved, that he was intoxicated at the time. Reports today were somewhere on the order of twice the legal limit. Um, it's just an absolute tragedy. Is it, Robbie, is there any way that he's like able to bounce back in terms of his NFL career from this? I mean, NFL career-wise, I think there's certainly an opportunity to bounce back. It the, the more facts that come out, the worse it looks for him. When the news initially broke, I didn't think there's a chance of jail time. I figured he'd probably plead guilty to some misdemeanors, go away, not have a car for a while, not have a driver's license. Um, but the photos that, that have come out, I mean... They're, they're not great. And if the prosecutor's going to stick by what it looks like he's initially charged with, which should be a two-year minimum, I mean, if, he, if he's going to plead guilty to that, he has to go to jail for at least two years, period. Um, so it's not looking 
not looking great for rugs right now. Maybe, maybe he pleads to lesser serve some jail time um, and can rehabilitate his career. But I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, players have come back from worse, but the players that have come back from worse have been a lot more talented than he is and you know, didn't kill someone. I think that's the operative thing is that there happened to be a fatality involved in the situation. It's an abject tragedy for everybody. It's now it seems like it could even be the end of two young promising lives in that his NFL career and possibly his personal and civil career may be in jeopardy or null and void, depending on the outcomes of all the legal stuff. So, I mean, it's just, it's rough all the way around. This is kind of the tragedy we see so often with these young fellas getting so much money right up front and being in a position where they have a tremendous amount of money and a tremendous amount of opportunity to make significant mistakes. It's important to note that the league does have a policy in which any player anywhere at any time can call for a ride and be taken wherever they want to be taken on the league's dime. So it doesn't make it any better, but knowing that that is in place and that players should take advantage of such things is just makes it even worse because it could have been completely avoided. All right, enough of the sadness. And let's talk about some guys possibly coming back and some hope on the horizon here. The injury bug struck, and now we're starting to finally see some players possibly maybe even coming out on the good side of this. CMC and Barkley are on their way back. Both are talking about beginning practicing or have already begun practicing. We saw the return of Jerry Judy this past week. Kittle is off the IR now and will begin practicing, I believe, tomorrow if he didn't practice already today though is unlikely to play in this week nine uh, of those four Judy Kittle, CMC and Barkley, who's got the biggest impact coming back Kit, who Who's the most significant. I mean, if CMC can come back and not pick up another nagging injury, you know, I, he's the team needs him, right? I mean, they, they were been bad without him. Uh, I feel like he would get, you know, what eight targets a game and 16 to 20 rushes a game. So like, yeah, if you can get CMC back, uh, he's going to pull you to the championship. But, like, there's obviously, at this point, a, pr a pretty reasonable concern that, like, I know injury-prone isn't necessarily a thing, but that, you know, he, he's not going to be there for you. Uh, so, I don't know. I, I think CMC is clearing away to potentially most impactful, uh, even if I'm worried. Robbie, same question. Yeah, same thing. Um, I think CMC's the the right answer. He's a cheat code in fantasy football. He gets the targets of a wide receiver one and the rush rush attempts of a running back one, and it's not fair when you get the one hundred and one and then redraft and you're just blessed with CMC. I mean, I think you'd still take him at one hundred and one, even knowing that you didn't have him for a month. He's that good, especially considering um, what's gone on around all the other RB ones. Saquon being hurt, Henry out. I mean, take your shot. I mean, maybe Dalvin Cook over him, but he's even missed some games this year. It, it comes with the running back territory, and it's a price I'm willing to pay, and it's it's worth it. Let's focus in on Barkley. He's going to come back to a Giants team that is – Kit, what's the word? Awesome. Thank you, but not really. So 
The record says otherwise, sadly. The uh, truth of the fucking, matter is... Fucking he's going, not going for touchdowns. <laughs> <laughs> you, you brought it up. You brought it that's, up. That's what I wanted. I wanted yeah, thanks. I'm so happy that you were... You know, and then Judge, Judge, the has the, Judge has the fucking balls to be like, well, like the refs weren't doing this good. Right? And he's like, yeah, well, what if you, when you were 17-17 against the fucking Chiefs, went for the win? Uh, anyway. Anyway, um, we move on. We move on. And as it looks more and more like a full house cleaning there in New York, does Barkley have significant fantasy value remaining? Personally, I wouldn't trade you much of anything for him to try and add him to my squad because I can't trust him to stay right. And I can't trust that giant offensive line to like be good. So, I mean, so, I, I w- much I don't of it- see a lot, but Kit, what do you see? Yeah, uh, much of anything is like an operative term, right? Like, I would not trade you anything close to what he was being traded for pre-ACL injury, right? Or, uh, you, you know, and I expected there to be a secondary injury this year where he misses some games, but he still, even this year in a couple of weeks, had some holy shit Saquon plays that mm-hmm. make me be like, I'm not out on him, you know? Like, if I can, like a late... A late first and a late second, I would I would give that up for him. It used to be like three firsts and a player, and which there's nowhere we're touching that. But but I don't know. I, I I still he's not someone who I'm like nah, I don't want him. Let me put it that way. I trust Saquon the player still, and I'm not worried yeah. about his long term health. I just don't trust the supporting cast around him. It's like you were talking about the the O line's not that great, and I mean the Giants are or in a rebuild, they're not contending. Um, I think they'd probably be better off shipping him out to, to another team as, as painful as that sounds. It just doesn't happen in the NFL. Like I agree if like in the NBA, like, Oh yeah, you're not doing it to move them, but it doesn't happen in the NFL. Right. Effect, considering his rookie contract, he's got what one more year in New York before he can walk. If his fifth year options not picked up, I believe. I believe that's correct. But I think I'm, I'm pretty certain they'll pick it up. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, we'll see. Who knows? We'll see how much, if Gettleman's hanging around to fiddle away more cap space, we'll see what happens. One may never know. He's only a $7.2 million option for next year. It's certainly affordable and um, more than he's going to get on the open or less than he's going to get on the open market. No, it's the year after. I think it, I think that gets to like real big real fast because he was 102, but I don't know if, if they pick up the option. I mean, but anyway. Yeah, it's certainly interesting. Uh, speaking of the interesting thing and more shenanigans level stuff, the trade deadline in the NFL is passed and Watson is still a Texan. Now it's news coming out that the settlement talks between he and the at least 20 something different individual victims or complainants, I guess you would call them at this point, um, have broken down because the victims don't want non-disclosure agreements in the settlement. At least that's what I believe I read on ESPN today. Considering the stature of all of this problem and the fact that nothing is getting resolved, is there is it time to just liquidate him from your fantasy roster for whatever someone is willing to get you? Or is it, do you still play it out and just see what happens? Robbie, what do you think? Well, I own him in a league, and I would be willing to ship him out. But what are you going to get for him? Um, you know, ideally, I'd like to get another quarterback, especially in Superflex. But where 
where where's that line drawn? Um, I would probably take one of the rookie quarterbacks off your hands. I'd probably flip him straight up for Justin Fields or um, Trey Lance. Probably not Zach Wilson. If you want to give me Trevor Lawrence for him, by all means, send me Trevor Lawrence. I would take that in a heartbeat. But, man, I, I think there's a very real possibility he's suspended in 2022. Or oh, at least I would part think. of 2022. Um and is it worth it at that point? I mean, he's a top five quarterback when healthy and when he's able to play and wanting to play. But 18 months removed from football and um, a looming suspension, it, it doesn't bode well. It doesn't bode well. I might, I might take my, my risk on an upside quarterback. Kit, what's your thought? Uh, I'm just a, a pure hole. If you've held at this point uh, – you know, I have him on one team out of my many, and uh, I assumed all of the ideas of him getting traded to Miami or Carolina. I assumed it was all bluster from his agent. Like, I, I assumed this was going to be a hunker down, and this is very insensitive. I'm only talking about this in a dynasty perspective, but uh, a hunker down and just wait out a couple years, and then you still got a 27, 28-year-old uh, elite asset. Um, I assume they will eventually settle to, to some extent. Um and I assume this offseason will probably be somewhere else. Uh, so, yeah, if, if I've already – I think I'm already in a – like the, the one team I have, like I'm a contender, but I've already decided, like, he's just not part of this, right? Like, <laughs> like he's not going to help me. Uh, if I get a great offer for him, I trade him. But uh, I don't know. I uh, I think you you hold because the value, correct or not, will come back. <laughs> I mean, we certainly hope that it could possibly come back. The worst part of all this is the longer it goes on, the worse and worse it looks, and then the worse it lo- it waits because the league won't even begin to rule anything in terms of violation until it's all said and done. And if this thing goes to trial and gets drug out in the public eye, oh my goodness, who knows what it's going to look like? Who knows what the optics are going to ultimately play out as? And, oy. So, I mean, personally, we always say draft teams you like and keep players you like. Those who are already invested, you're kind of stuck. But personally, I I don't want any part of it. Yeah, it, I'm definitely not trying to acquire him, even at rock bottom prices. Like I was kind of talking from the perspective of you already have him, so why not? But like, yeah, I I don't want to go get him. <laughs> like, not just because the moral stuff, but just because like there's so much uncertainty. He could go to jail. <laughs> well. Let's transition from possibly giving up draft picks for somebody for a team to a team that just doesn't seem to like draft picks at all. The uh, L.A. Rams have decided that they don't really want to draft anybody ever and have shipped out yet more draft capital in this year's draft, a second and a third. They still had somehow for Vaughn Miller. What does that addition do to an already scary as all crap Rams defense, Rob? I mean, they've got. Jeez, I mean. How how many seconds is a quarterback going to have to pass the ball? Um, One. It <laughs> there's no such thing as a three step drop against the Rams anymore. It's like a two and a half step and hope that your guys where he's supposed to be. Um, it is a scary defense, and you know on on the flip side, it's um I think the Rams are going to be a fun team for rookie drafts upcoming because they're going to have a lot of fourth and fifth round picks that are going to need 
to have fantasy relevant roles are going to be forced into a situation that maybe they're not prepared for it. And we'll see if someone rises to the crop or rises to the top. Um, so I'm excited. I think there's going to be great value for, for the next couple of years on, on some of these late round picks from the Rams that you can sneak in and, you know, late third, early fourth in your rookie drafts. And um, on the flip side to just hijack this conversation. I mean, in my mind, this means Aaron Rodgers is going to the Broncos this off season. They've got more ammo to make this trade. They've got a, a multiple day two picks now added to their arsenal. Um, they paid off Von Miller's contract basically to acquire two day two picks. And, you know, they, I think they've got the package to get it done and, and trade for Rogers. I don't think he's going to want to be in green Bay next year. I got to say you big brain that a little bit, but you're the man. You, you, I don't know. That's just two perspectives I hadn't thought of <laughs> on those things. Right. Which is that like, yeah, those Rams draft picks could be better than normal late thirds, right? Uh, and and also, yeah, that uh, right, they do have the ammo. So, yeah, and the other thing to think no. about with the Rams' perspective is they can now take money that would have been allocated to the rookie pool and put it to other aspects of the salary cap. So they have mm-hmm. the opportunity to go and make themselves kind of like to put the NBA perspective on this. It's like now it's the destination city for guys who are pretty darn good and have a. Uh, like either need a one year prove it or need a buy low because they just want to chase a championship because they've already made their coin. So, and they happen to be LA too, which is pretty Yeah, cool and now. being in LA doesn't hurt at all because the weather's only like LA weather, which is what yeah. everyone seems to strive for for reasons I don't understand. So if you don't value seasons, then you're good to go. Have fun in LA. The beach is over yonder. And uh they'll yeah, have but a like little going, extra money to play with. Uh, I guess I would say going to the cl- club with Jalen Ramsey, you know, and being like in LA is a little bit different than, I don't know, going to uh, Minnesota's best <laughs> bar with Justin Jefferson. Like it's probably cool. It's probably cooler to do that in LA, you know, like whatever it is. You make a point. I like to think that I'm the occasion that goes to the bar and wherever <laughs> I go, that's where the party <laughs> is. But hey, who go. knows? I just live in my own dream sometimes. <laughs> The Rams definitely are interesting at this point. And if you're in the situation where you're in an ITP league and you have an opportunity to go out and get a player like this, the fact that nobody can really double team anyone on the offensive line at this point in their modified three, four defense, like you got, you got Leonard, you got Aaron Donald, the machine. And now you're throwing Von Miller on the other side of that. Good luck, man. I mean, that's just got max protect every time you're third and long written all over it. And anytime you can dictate a game plan to a team, man, you've already won the majority of the battle. We keep waiting on James Conner to have the James Conner game where everything goes strong and nothing significant happens. And yet he keeps chugging along in a role that fits him like a glove. Short yardage, 10-ish touches a game maybe one or two passes and all the goal line work. So he just touchdown vultures, everything for the cards that translates now to at least an RB 21, depending on where you're sitting and significant fantasy relevance, considering the damage and carnage that is the top of the running back field in terms of injuries and everything else. Couple that with the other side of the wide of the running back coin there in Edmonds, who's clicking in right around RB 20 at this point. 
with catching significant value, quite literally by catching the football out of the backfield. And you have a very significant running back tandem that didn't really expect to be that way. Can this sustain guys? Kit, what do you think? Is this like long-term going to work? Long-term for this year, sure. You know, they're a very good offense uh, that I expect to put up a lot of points. Um, And as a result of that, they're going to have both sort of, you know, catching opportunities, which seems to be Edmonds thing uh, and touchdown opportunities, which seems to be Connor's thing. I expect them both to tail off a little bit. I mean, last year they used Kyler a lot around the goal line. And I think that's been a little bit lower this year, Um, maybe because Connor's been successful doing it. So, uh, you know, maybe last year was out of necessity a little bit, but, uh, but yeah, I, I expect them both to be flexible, right. For the, for the rest of the season. And then, I have no idea and no prediction of what happens after the season for next year. Like it, it feels like and I assume Connor's gone. Who knows if Edmonds there? We'll figure it. They'll figure it out. Robbie, what are your thoughts? I was the highest coming in on um, James Connor in the off season. I was beating the drum for him. I thought this would be mostly his backfield and Edmonds would be a change of pace back. Um, at least I wasn't proven completely wrong. I think it's going to continue to be, you know, basically equal splits um, and both of them to continue to be fantasy relevant. Um, James Conner is going to do his thing. He's going to get goal line touches. He's going to get, you know, 10 to 15 carries a game. He's going to get his his touches come most importantly where it's valuable. Um, Edmonds, he's going to get passes out of the backfield. He's going to do, he's going to run a little bit between the twenties and it's like kid was hitting at a little bit. I mean, Kyler was banged up last year. I don't think they want to run him as much. They needed some help. And Edmonds isn't the biggest back either. So they needed a guy to come in and run between the tackles, fight for hard yardage. And that was absolutely not Kyler's role. And it was not Chase Edmonds' role. So his role's there to stay. Yeah. And, um, you know, if I, I think there's opportunity for – I think if the Cardinals were smart, they'd re-sign him next year. But we'll see. The interesting thing about it is now you throw Rondell Moore into that mix, who's even smaller, and they seem to like to get him the ball in that short-to-short intermediate route package or with bubble screens and stuff. And as long as Murray stops overthrowing him or putting him in bad (laughs) situations to create tip balls like happened last week, we get the 10-point showing by Kyler Murray. That offense is an absolute juggernaut and can just keep right on trucking, especially with a monster on the outside like D-Hop. So they're positioned very effectively. I love the addition of Zach Ertz. He's been an absolute weapon already for them and has taken Ertz's standing within the tight end rankings to a point where he is now extremely relevant compared to where he had been, which was on the outside looking in of relevancy. So, I mean, kudos to them to go out and get themselves a weapon. And, I mean, as much as it pains me, because I've lived through so many years of Connor and that leg falling off or things just going completely south, um, good for him for finding a place that wants to use him correctly and give him the role that he's really built for, which is that 12 to 15 total touches a game where he can be really valuable because he is a good short yardage back and always has been. So let him put his head down, run hard, get the touchdowns, puts Edmonds back on schedule and puts the rest of the offense back on schedule. So if you had those guys, great. If you can acquire either one of them, it's probably to your advantage because if for nothing else than to get you through bye week hell, that's another viable running back that 
realistically isn't getting the wear and tear of some of the guys at the top end of the running back pool and is certainly not going to cost you the same in terms of assets you'd have to allocate to try and acquire either one. Chicago's running backs, since we're on the running back kick here, uh, are all over the place. And now here we are with, with Herbert kicking in two quality starts and looking like a legit player here filling in for Monty while Monty's been out. Now, Monty's still probably at least a week or two away if not slightly longer as he returns from that knee damage and kind of just banged upness earlier on. Uh, Damian Williams seems like he's getting a little shut out of this deal. Is it Herbert all the way or is it Williams until we're back to Monty? And then it's the full Monty the rest of the go. Robbie, what are your thoughts? I think it's Herbert's backfield to lose right now. Um, while, while Montgomery's injured, um, when David Montgomery comes back, he's going to be the primary ball carrier. But I think Herbert did carve out a role for himself, and he will have a, a, a more opportunities in the offense than he had previously, which was basically none. Um, but I think he will, you know, eat into Damian Williams' role. The, Williams is is basically done for fantasy purposes in Chicago. Once we've got a, a healthy split between the three. Um, I imagine he might get a couple snaps a week. That's about it. Maybe you don't want the rookie out there blocking on him, key third down plays, things like that. But Matt Nagy's not the smartest coach, so maybe maybe he does that anyway. Um, I just sold Herbert in a in a league where I'm in a rebuild, and I was happy to do so. Um, I think this is peak value for him right now. He's not going to be the man in Chicago, and this what might be the get? best relevance we have. But um. He's a guy I really like pre-draft, and I think's a, a quality back. What'd you get? I um I sold him for a package and got my first share of Terrace Marshall, who was my uh, wide receiver three coming into the season. I wanted him I like so it. bad, did not yeah. want him in a single draft. Um, essentially, I flipped him and um, Judy for Marshall a second and um. A couple more picks. I think a first, a second, and Marshall. I can't even go. remember anymore. Um, it was a long, <laughs> drawn-out negotiation. It, it hurt to lose <laughs> Judy, but I feel like I, I ultimately won that. I think a first, a second, Peoples-Jones, and Marshall. Marshall. Yeah, that's, yeah not, that's, that's not bad that's at all. That's a nice, nice little package there. Yeah. Hey, power to the Peoples, man. We love, so, we love us some Peoples-Jones around here. I was just going to say real quick, just before we move on from Herbert, I uh, – I think it actually, I, I do agree, uh, Rob, with what you said that like Damian Williams is only going to play a couple snaps a game. But I think where it's going to hurt is Montgomery's rushing touches. Like he was so good at the end of last year on the basis of him touching the ball 26 times a game or whatever it was. You know, like I think now they'll give, it'll be more like 12 and 8. Monty Herbert and Monty will do the passing game stuff because he's much better than that at that than Herbert. I don't know. That's just my prediction. I think the the thing that Monty was good at is the wear down effect, and that's a cumulative effect of the offensive line laying on the defensive line. Yeah, and then a bigger back in Monty being able to effectively run downhill and wear those people down. Cool Herbert's the same guy. He's a heavy dude, a bigger back coming out of Virginia Tech who just runs hard, and it's the same style, which is great. So if you can take some of the mileage off Monty because Chicago's just been piling touches on him in his first three years, it's actually probably to his benefit 
If that an offensive a, squ yeah. squad comes in there that has any kind of ability to determine who gets the ball when they get the ball, it's going to be using Herbert in that second quarter, early third, get those kind of chunk touches to just build that cumulative wear down effect so that you've got a fresh Monty coming down the stretch. I actually like Monty with slightly fewer touches in the game because I think he'll be more productive. And you'll still get that cumulative effect because it's not like you're putting in a gap back or something who's just not going to have that wear down on the defensive side. So in no, this I mean, instance, that... I actually like the timeshare. And Herbert's not a good enough player that he's going to be forcing Monty to really steal much of Monty's share. So I actually I... like the partnership. Yeah, that's, on that. that's totally fair. Like, I, like, didn't think of it that way. I thought of it as, like, oh, just less touches is bad. But, no, you're probably right. Like, a fresh Monty is... Uh, a fresh Monty's a scary Monty. Is, is a productive Monty, yeah. <laughs> he'll still get the touches and he'll still get the volume to build that running mode. Right. His running backs definitely hit a zone. That is undeniable. Any running back you talk to, the more they, they get fed the rock, I mean, we've all seen Zeke eat, the more they get fed the rock when they get the pile, pile moving, they all kind of hit that, that sway. And I still think Monty's going to be able to continue to do that. It's just going to meter the touches, which is – kind of what you want really and it should prolong his career which is something that everybody wants do we think Tariq Cohen's gonna even make it off the pup list this year I know no. he's eligible after no. week six but uh no. I don't think they've activated him yet they haven't they I haven't mean, mentioned him in weeks no, that, in weeks yeah he hasn't hit a press release there hasn't been a bump I mean I don't know at this point I just I don't see and I don't really see a spot once Monty gets back I just I don't see a need or a role which is the hard part there, especially with a young quarterback. Ugh, I, I like worry it, it's the opposite. They'll they'll force a spot and it'll just get ugly. Uh, but but yeah, maybe you're right. Those Somehow things are all two possible too. Allen Robinson's three targets a game. <laughs> Who fucking knows? Oh, talk about buy low candidates, and that's a wonderful segue because here we are. <laughs> In our dynasty land where trade deadlines don't really exist, although realistically there's a practical trade deadline where you kind of get to a point where you know what you are and you know what you're trying to add. Let's look at a couple wide receivers who are at 40 or below. And I want you to tell me if there's somebody that you're interested in going after in 30 seconds or less, or if there's somebody that you want no part of. Kit, we'll start with you, and I'm going to get you Michael Gallup. Uh, I'm all over him. I really want Michael Gallup. I, I, if you can, I don't, you know, again, the price always matters, but don't think he's going to be on the Cowboys for a long time uh, and do think he's talented. So give me him. Robbie, new player, considering the situation, and we know he's not coming this year, but if you're in a rebuild or something, Calvin Ridley, is that a player that you would be interested in trying to acquire or is that somebody that you want no part of? Um, I'm completely out on Calvin Ridley. Um, I was lower than consensus on him before this, and this just is the the nail in the coffin for me. Um, I'll happily trade him for for what I can get him. Um, maybe wait for the news to calm down a couple weeks. Maybe his value rebounds a little bit. He comes back to the team, but I'm I'm happily selling. I'm not buying anywhere. Kit, new player. Uh, m my boy Tyler Boyd. Uh, you know, as someone who went to Pitt, uh, while Tyler Boyd was there, uh, maybe, maybe not, I'm too old. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, I like Tyler Boyd. Uh, I think I'm a buy relative to consensus, but I'm not a like strong buy, I would say, you know, like 
yeah, if you can get him for a second, I'm all over that. He's going to be a flexible to wide receiver two type, wide receiver two, three type starter for, you know, next three to four years, I would say. But I'm not like pursuing Boyd per se, if that makes sense. Robbie, Julio Jones. I, man, that's tough. I think I'm buying Julio just because his stock is um, so down right now. And, but, Man, I'm I'm nervous if I'm buying. I really need a hole to fill to make a championship run to have any interest. If um if I'm just fringe in the playoffs, it's not a move that I do. It's like I am the number one, number two seed. I wanna I want depth and I wanna murder my opponents. And I will buy and hope for a, a healthy Julio to you know put in my flex or hopefully steamroll some people. Considering they're Injury to the all-world running back there. Does that change your thought process at all? I mean, they were always a run-first offense. It doesn't change a whole lot for me. I think they're going to try and recreate and still remain a run-first offense between McNichols and Adrian Peterson. But I imagine that it, you know, those two combined are not Derrick Henry. It Prime AP even a little. is as good as Derrick Henry, but prime. And he's a, a 36 year old running back. Now um, I imagine Tannehill will have at least more, you know, five more pass attempts a game. Maybe a couple of those go to Julio and uh, boost his stock a little bit, but I don't think it's a significant jump and there. It's still going to be a very even split between run pass. Okay. Considering the emergence of, of uh, Jamar chase, is a first and a second too rich for your blood for T. Higgins? Oh, that's a great question. Because that's if you had just said a first, I would have like quickly said a hard yes. Uh, I, a late first and a late second, a late first and a mid second, probably yes. Uh, I'm still in because like I, I am a huge Higgins believer, uh, and like he hasn't done great with it. But I mean, he's getting targeted. Like two weeks ago, he had 15 targets. Uh, I don't think he has a game under six. So, like, I, I, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yes, would be would be my short answer. But it, but it's but it's tight, and you, you put me to it, asking for a first and a second. You know, uh, and if it's like if I can get a, I wouldn't give up a top five first, mm-hmm. right? You know, if I can get what is potentially an elite asset next year, I like that better than Higgins. But I like Higgins a lot. Robbie, same question. On a T Higgins, yep, that's too rich for me. Don't um, give me I'd that give face. A, I'd give up a mid first. <laughs> I like T Higgins, but um, you're not getting a first and second for me. He's uh, not even always, too late. He's going to be at best the one B. Um, I don't want a handcuff receiver to to get top five production. I don't want to be praying for Jamar Chase to go down. I'd rather roll the dice on one of the many talented wide receivers coming out in this draft class and hope one of them hits. I'll, I'll take two shots with a, a you know a late first or mid first and mid second. That's that's two good quality receivers right there to plug in. All right, boys. So far, so good. So it's an interesting crew. The under rank forty wide receivers right now are a mixed bag of damaged goods or guys who just had bad starts or guys who just had injury concerns. We could go on for a while because this year has been all over the place. We had Ayuk just totally flame out. We had the Chicago offense pay uh, through the nose to keep Robinson and now completely ignore him. 
there's just so many odd things that have gone on with the wide receivers. But it's time to get to the point where we start looking forward. And now we'll talk a little bit about the games of the week. If you are in survivor land, as uh, I am no longer, courtesy of the stupid Jets. Come on. I mean, come on. <laughs> Ow. I'm still surviving. Man, uh, the, the pool I was in went from 42 to 8 as a result nice. of that single game <laughs> this past weekend because everybody figured uh, no starting, no tr- regular starting quarterback, a dude making his professional debut. And uh, Cincinnati's strolling in, riding high on a high-flying offense and then yummies the whole thing up. Oof. Uh, now I can just hope that everybody loses and we get the buy back in. <laughs> so who knows what happens? But, oh my goodness. So what's out there this week? Well, I'll give you one right off the jump. Uh, Jets at Colts. The Colts are getting 10 and a half and I don't see lightning striking twice. So I'll take the Colts in that one. Kit, you got a game for us? Yeah. The bills at the Jags. I mean, Come on, it, it's 14 and a half, which is nuts, but I, uh, yeah, uh, no, I it know. It might uh, be every bit of 14 and a half. Yeah, exactly. Like I could see it being 23 and a half and I know. Yeah, whatever. It's not going to be Definitely. 23 and a half. Especially but. with Robinson <laughs> being questionable and that, yeah, it was part so of it. much just detriment <laughs> to that offense. Who knows yeah, what's going to happen? It's going to be That's rough. definitely – we always look for those rookie quarterbacks to have the welcome to your end of the NFL game. That uh, feels like it should be uh, – Trevor Lawrence uh, might get an education. I feel like it should be 9 a.m. in London, <laughs> like the way, the way that matchup is. <laughs> Robbie, you got a game? I'm trying trying my hardest to, to save the Bills and the Cowboys, so I'll uh, – I think there's better options out there this week in a survivor. I'm considering the Dolphins and Texans game. I know. Also <laughs> on the radar uh, because it's the Dolphins. I don't really, uh, God, you'd never, it, I mean, this is the one time the Dolphins are going to be usable. I mean, I wouldn't even this trust them against a, a Mike White Jets team. Um, if Terod Taylor's back, I'm probably out on the Texans Dolphins. I'm not risking it. Um, so it was a pivot game. It's not on not on your list here, because um, I, I already burned the Colts um, a couple weeks back. Um, but my pivot game is I'm torn between Atlanta and the Saints. Um, the Saints are a six point favorite, and um, Pittsburgh and Chicago. Um, if Matt Nagy's back on the sideline, maybe maybe go with Pittsburgh. Um, Pittsburgh's getting six and a half in that one. Uh, the Dolphins are six and a half point favorites. And Saints is six. They're all they're all touchdowns. Those games. are fishy lines, man. Yeah, they're <laughs> you're threading it, but man, they are some bad teams they're playing. Um, That's just it, though. It's bad tricks. team ball. So, like, who, do you trust any of them? The answer should do probably you trust be no. A Trevor Simeon, or I mean, Ooh. I imagine if Taysom Hill is declared healthy, that the the spread would go up a little bit. I would imagine that line would move. But man, I, I, one of those three games is going to come through for me, and I'm watching I'm watching the injuries and the starters like a hawk on all of them because yeah. I'm not I'm not ready to burn my my Cowboys or Bills. I'll, I'm going to risk it. Mm-hmm. I mean, here we sit on Wednesday recording this, so it's one of those deals where it's like the line a lot can happen between now and Wednesday. We're down to three in my survivor pool, so um, we've whittled out everyone else, and um, it's Definitely. right now. It's just a preservation game. It's um. As as long as I can keep some of those stud teams. Well, 
I could tell you that in the pool I was just knocked out of, uh, had the Giants prevailed, there would have been a winner. Yeah, uh, I am. Uh, fucking Joe Same yeah. thing. Two two of the three survivors had um, Kansas City, myself included. I burned my Kansas City pick, and um, it, it was close to having a winner declared. Hey, what it was I'm going to wait for my to, rant to you guys until we're not recording. So. It was good to get KC out of the out of the deal because that team looks like it is beginning to unravel. Yeah. On to college game here. Uh, some interesting ones. Liberty at Ole Miss. Not so much for the competition, but for the who's playing. Kit, tell us about that. Yeah, I mean, that's freaking fun. I mean, th- those are probably the maybe two most relevant. I don't know. You could – Brees Hall and Spiller, you could say whatever, but the two most relevant uh, sort of dynasty uh, assets playing each other with with Corral and uh, Willis. Willis. Uh, Willis. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Uh, so it, it, it what should you be talking fun. About? It should be yeah. What you talking about, Willis? It should be it should be fun. It should be a, a a good matchup. Well, not a good matchup. I expect Ole Miss to blow them out, but I'm sort of now that Ole Miss has two losses and can't win the national championship. I'm kind of just like, eh, let's just see what they do. I'm, I'm, I'm very invested in corral. Uh, want to see what the other guys do. Ely and such do, but um, yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. With Kenny Pickett climbing the polls machine too. So I'm intrigued to see what he does against an sec defense. I'll be yeah. one coach by Blaine Kiffin. Who I don't yeah. Think it, is a good coach. it is one of those though. Like where like, there's going to be a lot, of weight on this one game, right? And how he performs. Like, like if he sucks, it'll be pointed to by the detractors. And if he kills, it'll be pointed to by the, uh, yeah, projectors. So if he rolls in there and throws a pile of picks, game. Yeah, if he rolls in there and throws a pile of picks and looks bad doing it, it could be an entire round that he, his uh, stock falls. It, it, exactly. That's what, yeah. But, but alternatively, if he puts up like four between the ground and the air and like has a 70% yep. completion percentage, he'll be in the conversation for 101. <laughs> He's already floating around the top of the quarterback pool. Yeah. I mean, exactly. Basically, it's down to unbelievably a three dog race here between Corral, Willis, and Kenny Pickett from Pitt, who just keeps climbing with being is, consistent. Is Pickett that high, guys? He's climbing. Yeah, he's it's a terrible quarterback year, and he's everything you want. He's accurate. He's athletic enough. He's got a strong enough arm, and he's added the one thing that he hadn't been doing, which is throwing with anticipation, and that's the big thing that if you are trying to evaluate a quarterback and how they're going to be able to move forward, it's can they throw into windows and throw with anticipation, and by translation, throwing a guy open instead of waiting for the college player open. He's getting a lot of burrow comps and um, you know, stock store story. And I like think right that's now. I think uh, that's too overblown because he doesn't have Burrow's arm. We, we should wrap up the pod, but I want to talk to you guys. <laughs> okay. About it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, other big ones: Michigan State at Purdue. The line is only three and a half. The idea being that it is a total trap coming off of State's big win over the Wolverines. Go Sparty. And Larry Walker III is an absolute man beast running that ball. He was incredible last week and will continue to do so. The other one I want to throw out there is just a match of two really good teams. Number 13, Auburn at number 12, Texas A&M. All kinds of pro prospects all over the field there in a variety of different places, mainly in the 2023. But A&M has Isaiah Spiller. 
who may very well be the top back in 2022. So if you have the opportunity, catch that, because those teams are going to be throwing haymakers back and forth. All right, boys, time for tags. Robbie, go first. You can find me on Twitter and Reddit at the Roto Rob. Um, I've been on a relatively extended social media media hiatus, so um, DM me if you want to want any specific advice. I've got a, a seven week hold, so unfortunately, it means the the research quality and, and article writing has not been um, what it used to be or um, really existent at this point. But look forward to getting into a, a routine again and um, putting together some quality pieces and. Um, all always available to chat fantasy. Kit, yeah, Rob, it's great to have you back. Uh, had a fun, uh, fun pod. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at kitv underscore dynasty ff and uh, on Reddit at kitkit123. Uh, again, hopefully, civilly uh, arguing with people. Yeah, I mean, I'm Don Detweiler, the social media Sasquatch. You can always find me and any of the other guys at Rider Dynasty. On, twi- on the Twitter, uh, check us out at RiderDynasty.com. The writers are still putting out information for us. We also have the sister pod that you should check out in The Next Man Up, where we have real medical professionals that are out there telling you what really is happening as opposed to what you're trying to read and decipher. So you'll get way better than uh, bad, kind of bad, and ooh, there's, there's a pin in it. So yeah, definitely check those guys out. And Of course, guys, enjoy the games. We do this for the love and keep after it. The best of luck to you and your teams. We will catch you again on the Rider Dynasty podcast.